listening to Say It Southern, aspiring to live not just as moms, but as modern Southern women, we began this project to hear from those who inspire us and recognize those who are achieving their own personal goals. Listen in as we celebrate the South and those who say it Southern. Dawn Barton has endured more pain and heartache in her lifetime than Hallmark can fit into a single movie. But because she has experienced such incredible pain, she also knows incredible joy. So much so that this sassy Southerner refers to herself as a joyologist and has written a new book, Laughing Through the Ugly Cry. Join us now as we say it Southern with Dawn Barton. Dawn, thank you so much for coming on Say It Southern today. We are so excited and excited for you because your book, Laughing Through the Ugly Cry, launched yesterday. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, and I'm still completely, totally, and utterly giddy about it. I also feel like a Mack truck just was lifted off my back. Sure. (laughs) You know, it's just like this. It was a two-year journey to get to that day, so it's exciting. Well, it's crazy. We want to get into it, and we want to hear all about it, because if somebody has marked themselves as a joyologist, we got a lot of questions for you, girl. (laughs) Bring them. Bring them on. Well, first, explain exactly what a joyologist is. Well, I think it's somebody who looks for joy in the most unlikely of places in every day and every season of their life. That is a joyologist. But how... I came to have the name joyologist is that I was sitting with my friend, Caroline Boudreaux. And I said to Caroline, I'm going to leave my job. And all I want to do is I want to stand on the, on the highest mountaintops. And I want to talk about joy and God and happy things. And she said, well, yeah, you're a joyologist. And that's how it came to be. Caroline and you bought the bumper sticker. You got it on your license deal. plate. You did. Yeah, you did I got all. a shirt. Yep. You got it. <laughs> So take us back. I mean, you're talking about leaving your job and doing this. What what was your life like before you became a joyologist? Well, I was I, for 30 years, actually, I've been in sales and marketing. In the last uh, 10 of it, I was in uh, direct sales with Mary Kay Cosmetics. I was uh, something I never thought in a million years I'd do. But um, right before I left, I was the number seven sales director in the company. And I hey. left it. I know. I left it all to uh, just follow a God calling to write this book. And everybody thought I had lost my mind um, because I I had the fluffy pink cars and the, you know, fat paycheck and not just that, but I was like a big fish in a little pond, you know, like it felt good. My ego felt good, the whole thing. So it was hard to leave, but um, it's been a two year journey and I knew that I was meant to leave. I felt like there, you know, God was saying there's something so much more for you. I have something, if you will just take a leap of faith, I have something more for you. And it was a, it was a hard leap. I I didn't do it. I did it kicking and screaming. Let me just tell you, but I did it. Oh gosh. Way to go. I love, I love that. I can't imagine. So the title laughing through the ugly cry, one of my favorite lines in still Magnolias is laughter through tears is the best emotion. Uh And it's always stuck with me because that is so true. I believe. It is. I totally agree. I completely agree. We just lost my uncle, not to um, the coronavirus, but it was during COVID. And uh, my aunt, he had a massive heart attack and my aunt was in the parking lot, didn't get to go into the ER. So he, you know, died as many have by himself in that, Mm. in that hospital. Mm. And um, I went to Louisiana and uh, as soon as I could, and I was sitting there and at the next day I had a podcast and to talk about joy. And I thought, 
I can never talk about joy again. This is never going to happen. You're like, I got to cancel this podcast. I can't do this. And my heart is broken. He was one of the great loves of my life. And sure enough, we sat in that living room and we cried, but then we laughed. Mm -hmm. We laughed so hard. And that is what my family does when we, you know, work through anything. We laugh and we eat. Yeah, I eat in in happiness. I eat in sadness. I eat in stress. I eat in anger. I eat. I just eat. I think I do too. Well, Don, you've been through an unfathomable amount of pain and tragedy in your life. I mean, it. How do you find? I mean, I don't know. Take us back through all that, all that you've been through, and then I want to know how are you so smiley and and a joyologist today? Well, I eat. So let's just say that that. (laughs) carbs. Carbs is a large. Portion of the happy. Yes. Yes. Uh, Well, I have, um, in my life, I have lost a daughter. We lost a child to a rare bacteria pneumonia. Mm -hmm. And then within that same year, a man broke in our house and I was raped. My, my, I'd separated from my husband at the time and he broke in, I was raped and they caught him and it went to a full jury trial. And then I have had, um, stage three, triple negative breast cancer. And I lost my sister to cancer. She had actually had stage two cancer and I lost her. And my mother had a brain aneurysm that burst and, but she's alive. She's a walking, talking miracle. And my husband battled with alcoholism and he's five years sober now. And those were some of the things. So if you were to look at my life, I think in a timeline, you'd go, oh girl, what'd you ever do so wrong in life? Because there's these lines of tragedy, but I just feel like through it, I have learned, um, how to recognize joy probably better than most people. You know, I say that, that I probably will experience more joy than most people ever will because I have experienced more pain than most ever will. Mm-hmm. Um, so I recognize joy at a very different level than maybe somebody who just hasn't had some trials in their life. You know, any one of those circumstances, right, would lead you, could lead you down this path of just like, I've had this thing happen to me and you're defined by what that thing is. I mean, you just laundry listed like, eight terrible life altering things that have happened. Um, how do you, how did you deal with that tragedy during that tragedy? Well, they were all different. So that, you know, if you go from the, the earliest of things to the loss of my daughter, um, that one, that one was a complete test of who I was as a human, as a, in my faith, it's when I just, you know, I lost my daughter and I, swore I wouldn't love a God who took babies away from mommies. And I was angry and mad at God. And it took me 10 years to kind of get back to um, a relationship with the Lord, if you will. Mm -hmm. But I also, um, the way that I dealt with the things in my early 20s, which is that's when the rape happened and the loss of my child, I didn't, I I went through some therapy, but I also was drinking and partying and looking to escape it. And it was just, I was a hot mess of a human. And I talk about that in the book. I just was. And then, um, as I, as I grew up and the other things were happening, I was in a different place spiritually. My faith was much deeper. Um, I had matured as a person. Uh, and through those, I think I just, gosh, I don't have a perfect answer on this, you guys. I, I just, uh, I will tell you, it was my faith that was so different later in life to get through those things. But did, did that mean that I wasn't angry, that I wasn't having some pity parties? There's just, when you have enough tragedy, you can recognize points in your life where you just say to yourself, like, Dawn, enough. Get out of bed. You have got to shower today. You have got to. This is enough. You have mourned long enough. You have felt sorry for yourself long enough. You, you have played the victim card way too long. And there's a point where you just 
have to get up and move. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I'm trying to lovingly say is that you get to choose to do that. You get, I don't think that he ever created us to live a life where we're sitting in this place of just sadness and misery. That's not why any of us are created to just self wallow, wallowing in self, whatever, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) There's an editor when you need one (laughs) (laughs) wallowing in self pity. That's what it was. Um, but there, there just comes a point where I just want to say to anybody who's kind of going through that is baby, I love you. You're amazing, but enough, stop it. Now let's move forward. Mm-hmm. And that's, there just has to be a choice at some point. Do you ever get angry? Like I'm thinking you've had all these things happen. And then once the next thing happens, like you're diagnosed with cancer after all this, are you just angry with God? Like why me? Why do, why do these things keep happening to me? No, I've never been a why me person. I don't know. I think that's actually part of a, if you were to get a psychologist, I think that's a very natural part of a, that I know. I just am not, I don't know that I'm, if I'm just not wired that way or what, I just, um, and now that I've had enough experiences that just like, I've just decided that's life, you know, and, yeah. and with each test becomes a testimony and all that kind of, you know, those kind of cliche things, but truly it has made me, um, 10 times the woman, it made me a better wife, a better mom, a better to have those tragedies. So although I may see them as super hard and they heartbreaking at the time to, um, gosh, it's hard to even say to lose my sister and to, Mm -hmm. I don't understand those kind of things, but yeah, I don't even know that I answered your question. (laughs) No, you did. You did. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like for me now, I'm talking about my mother. I lost my mother. I've lost both my parents, but when I lost my mother, it was always, and it's still kind of, I do have like a little pity party every now and then, but I do believe, like you're saying, it has made me a better mother to my three right. girls because I want to be a good mother. I want to be there. I want to be present. And I think I appreciate what a mother is a lot more now. Right. Because you have the perspective, mm-hmm. right? You had such a sweet, beautiful perspective of how precious it all is. And, and, and I think those are things that I have a chapter in the book called you get to, you know, we talk about that you get to, uh, do the things It actually came from when my daughter was young and I was going through chemo. I remember complaining about driving to her school, you know, that morning thing where you do and you're just like, Oh, I cannot believe I had to drive you to school. And here, of course, we just had all this coronavirus and like, Oh, do I want to drive you to school? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, Mama really wants to drive you to school. But in a different, this was from a different perspective of, I was so sick that I couldn't drive her to school. And I remember this thing that I complained about for so long then to have it taken away because I was so sick that I couldn't do it, how much I wished I'd had it back. So when we see things like losing someone we love, it does, I hope it makes us pivot a little bit to be a little bit better human in some capacity. Mm -hmm. So when did you decide through all that, like, I mean, because like you said, each test is a testimony, and, and I'm sure that you've had opportunities to talk about that and all of that, and to channel that into like, you know what, I need to put this down. I need to put this down on paper. I need to write the book. Tell us about the dream that you talked about earlier. Uh, it's actually a neat story, and um, it also makes me sound really crazy, so it's the one that you tell. <laughs> we love you crazy like people. Crazy. Yeah, yeah I'm like, I'm going to sound like a crazy person. But um, it actually started with a podcast of Stephen Furtick interviewing T.D. Jakes. Both are mega pastors, oh. and it was over a book called Soar. It's this interview, and I had three people send it to me. It was an hour and 40 minutes long, and I'm like, ain't going to happen. Not watching an hour and 40-minute YouTube. Not going to happen. 
And then the fourth person sent it to me. Her name's Karen. And she said, you have to watch this. And I just went back. I said, Karen, why are you sending Am I naked in this video? Why are people? It was over a 24-hour period that people kept sending it to me. She said, Dawn, I just feel so strongly that, that God is saying that you need to watch this video. I feel like he's bugging me to bug you. So please just watch the video. And I love her so much. Like, I'm going to watch this stupid video. What a, it better be good. Let me tell you. So I watched this video. And the only thing I could tell you that I took out of it was when T.D. Jake said, Sometimes the thing you think you were created to do for the rest of your life is what you're created to do for the next phase of your life. Mm -hmm. And that night I went to sleep and I had a dream and I was in the between that place of like awake and asleep. And I just heard, Dawn, you're going to write a book. And I literally argued, no, I'm not. I'm not a writer. I don't journal. No, you're going to write a book. You're going to write a book. I just heard it over. You're going to write a book. You're going to write it. No, 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 no. And then he just said, wake up, wake up, wake up, write this down, write this down, write this down. And it was the chapters that I expected in the morning that I would wake up and it would just be this flow of words. And it was six words and that was it. But I knew what every single one meant. I knew what the chapters were. Um, like, for instance, I have a, one of the chapters is, um, I think it's called the joy and getting lucky and lucky was my prosthetic breast. Uh-huh. And so one of those words was just lucky. And I knew it was the story of this prosthetic breast. And um, it, it, the next day, I literally Googled how do you write a book because I am not kidding. I'm not a, <laughs> I am not a writer. I, I, didn't, I didn't journal things. I, didn't, I don't find a peace and a joy in the written word at all. I just, it's not who I am. And that's when I, I actually picked up the phone. I called my friend, Laura Casey, and I just said, this whole thing. And she gave me just some bullet points that it actually, I think it came from a, um, a blog she had done, but it helped tremendously. And I was like, thank you. And that's how the journey began. And then as the months went on, I just felt God saying, let go, let go, let go. I have more for you, let go. And it took, well, I posted it yesterday so I can tell you exactly. It was 934 days from the dream to the day it was released, the book. Wow. Yeah. It felt like, (laughs) four million years. <laughs> well, how does it feel now that it's out there? Well, as a person who's wired for achievement, you know, I'm, I'm used to chasing a goal, hitting a deadline a, a, and it, the world of publishing. I don't see my numbers. I can't track anything. It is, it's this completely, I'm so out of control. I mean, out, it, it's out of my control, not I'm out of control, but <laughs> I am, I don't know. Um, it's, it's a beautiful Wonder, probably one of my favorite things was getting a message, seeing somebody on Instagram sending a picture of it being at a store of theirs. Aww. Like I didn't even know it was in that store. And I was like, shut up. That <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of been probably the moments you don't think um, that are, you know, because you go through so much of the planning of the book and the visual part of the book that I had seen it so many times by the time, you know, um, so it, it was, it was neat. It's been a, it's been quite a journey. So tell us about it. I mean, yes. you said it's the book you needed 15 years ago. Why, why, and what? Oh, uh, well, 15 years ago, um, I was somebody just beginning a faith journey. Um, I was somebody who went to, I remember it very well. I went to a, like a life group, women's Bible study group through the church and the only reason I was actually going to the church because I was so desperate for friends. I had just moved and I'm like, I'll do anything at this point. I was, I did not have a deep faith. And when I was in that group, I remember that they were quoting some scripture and I felt so out of my element. 
And I just thought I'm not worthy to be here. I'm not enough. I'm not Christian enough to be Mm -hmm. here. And, um, I wanted to write a book that said you can, you know, that really was, you can be a girl that doesn't know how to write scripture who partied on tops of tables in her twenties and has had tragedy after tragedy. And there is still a God that is wildly after you and in love with you. Mm-hmm. And that's who I wanted to write it to. Oof, it makes me I know. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Go can ahead. we go through a little bit more about each chapter? You mentioned Lucky, who's your prosthetic breast. <laughs> so tell us, give us a little more. Do you call her Lucky? Are you like... Are you lucky or is your breast lucky? Yeah. <laughs> First of all, it is not a her. It is a him. Anything that hot and that uncomfortable, no woman would have done. Okay. <laughs> that is a, that is, lucky is a he. Okay. Uh, okay. He. Lucky the prosthetic breast. Um, after I had cancer, I had to have a mastectomy and I thought they'd do a double mastectomy. But she said the chances of me getting cancer back in my other breast were lower than there being complications from the procedure I needed to do to put to, to the mastectomy. So I, they only took one and I have huge boobs. So the thought of that, I was just devastated and I had to wait, uh, waited two years from when I, after cancer to, to have this reconstructive surgery, to have two breasts again. And so in that time I had lucky the prosthetic breast and he was four pounds and hot and heavy. And I invariably be having conversations and he come creeping out of my top and just (laughs) was only like in the most important times, like flying on an airplane when the flight attendant's looking down at you, trying to keep eye contact, but all they can look at is the breast that's actually coming out of your shirt. And, um, and, but the, one of the greatest stories in the book is the story of being with some of our best friends and we have rented a 40 foot sailboat. And, uh, at the time our children were four and six, that's where their ages. And the kids were too scared to jump off the edge of the sailboat, which to us, it felt like it was 12 stories high, but it maybe 10 feet, maybe 12 feet, you know, from the, from the water It was blue angel weekend. And so we were all out on the, that's when the blue angels fly. We, it's fantastic out here. And, um, the kids were too scared. So Casey, my girlfriend and I said, do not worry. Oh, young impressionable children. We shall show you how this is. And I found a swimsuit that lucky fit in beautifully. So Casey and I got on the edge of the boat and we look at them. Now we have them all lined up. Her husband is filming. It's just this perfect moment. It's just one, two, and we jump in the water. And the second we hit the water, I feel lucky come flying out of my (laughs) bathing suit. And all I can think as I'm going down in the water is, I don't think insurance covers another breast. I think it's $500. What are we going to do? Oh my gosh, I have lost Lucky. I don't even know if Lucky floats. There's like a million things that can go through that in one second. And I came out of the water and I looked at John, her husband, who was filming. And I said, I lost my boob. And the children are looking at me. And then about 15 feet to my right, you see like a torpedo come out of the water. Lucky comes to the surface and the poor kids, they're just, their jaws were on their laps and they're like, is that Miss Dawn's boob? And it was, like, um, so this, the, the book has stories like that, but it's also stories of, you know, on the flip side, I remember um, on Facebook seeing a post that somebody said, now that I have cancer, I see who my real friends are. And if I could have gotten to that woman to pinch her and break her pinky fingernails, I so would have, because I so completely disagree with that. 
when you are sick and when you are in the throes of something to put the pressure on your friends, have the thing that they don't love you because they don't have the gift of being a caretaker or nurturing the sick is so wrong. Because let me tell you, I am not that person. If you get sick, I'm, I'll call you. Like, I love you. How are you? Mm -hmm. And I'll send some pizza over, but it is not my gift. But what did happen when I was sick was I had a flood of people come in that I didn't normally see, but when I was sick, they showed up. And then when I was well, they were gone Mm -hmm. because it was their gift to be that kind of caretaker. Mm -hmm. And my girlfriends are a lot like me and they weren't around as much. Did they love me as much? 100%. But you don't know what's going on with somebody else's life. You don't know that maybe they just couldn't take one more thing there. They have so much going on at home. They just, I know we've all been in situations where you hear where your cup is so full and you have heard about your friend's tragedy and the thought of giving any more of yourself is more than you can do. And it's not because you don't love that person. It's that you have nothing else Mm. to give. And so when we can give each other grace in that sense, so there is a whole chapter on that just loving somebody where they are, no matter what you're going through. That is such a gracious perspective because it is, I mean, there's so much guilt wrapped into that too. When you're going through something or somebody that you love is going through something, you don't know how to respond. You're grieving yourself maybe. I mean, but you feel like, I don't know if it's societal pressure. I don't know where it comes from, but we feel like we should respond. And like you said, it may just not be, you know, our time at that point, you know? But you know what's funny is if if you were in this, the throes of heart and somebody sent you a text that just said, I love you yeah. with all of my heart. I am not good at this. I don't know. I don't know what you need from me. I don't know. But I love you with all I with all that I am. I love you. And just know that I am here I fear that I won't respond right or I won't do the right things. But all I want you to know is I am here and let that be. And you would so take that with, thank you. Cause half the time, all it is, is do you see me? Do yes. you love me? And do you see me? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm like about to start crying. <laughs> it's, it's so true though. I mean, God, that is good. That is so good. And it becomes less about like me and more about we, you know, right. Because really at that point, you're like, oh, I've been a bad friend. I've been this. I've been that. Mm -hmm. And you know, when I was so sick with um, cancer at the time, all that I ever wanted was somebody to come over and just be real. Actually, I didn't want that many people to come over, but the ones I didn't, people were tiptoeing around me. They wouldn't complain about their husbands anymore because they're like, well, your life is worse. And I just like somebody be real, come in bed with me and go, you are not going to believe what he said to me. You know, Mm -hmm. like just talk to me and nobody was, uh, being real. Gosh, that's great advice for friends and family of people. But what about, what advice would you give to someone who's actually going through cancer or going through a a death or a hard time in their life? What advice to them or to the people around them? To them. Ignore the doctors and eat anything you want. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the carbs. (laughs) actually that was the advice from my oncologist he's like this is not the time to get freaky on your food just I want you to eat so um the advice that I have that your mind is probably your mindset's probably 70% of the battle Mm -hmm. what you choose to believe and how you choose to handle this one of my great I called her my cancer coach and unfortunately she's since passed on but when I got sick 
she said to me, she had been through cancer actually three times prior. And she said to me, don't you ever show up for chemo in your pajamas looking like death. You are not dying. You might be sick and you are in a battle, but you are not dying. Do not live your life and do not act and do not look like you are dying. Mm -hmm. And that was a mindset for me. That was a shift. Mm -hmm. You can apply that though to everything. I mean, your mind is your most powerful tool. I mean, think of like of of everything that you've been through. And I mean, if you didn't have the right frame of mind or be willing to change your position on what you were thinking, you could have stayed in bed for, it's like you said, until you told yourself to get up. That yeah. it's just One so powerful. I think there's a lot to be said for a victim mentality versus a champion mentality. Like oh, you which better one, preach you on be? that. You better yeah. preach right there, yeah. Dawn. Mm-hmm. Who I I could I could write a whole book on victim mentality. Like you you get to choose what the story's going to be. Mm. Yeah, whether you are sick or not. And I remember being. Um, I, during that cancer journey, I was supposed to have 12 rounds of this one particular chemo and I was really having trouble with this, this particular kind. Um, for those of you that are going through it, it was the taxols, the taxanes. And, um, it's a little bit lighter for a lot of people, but it was hitting me harder than the other stuff was. And I got to the ninth round. And by this point, my husband was having to, Oh, it's even hard to tell y'all. He's having to take me in in a wheelchair Mm -hmm. because I, I was so sick. And I told the doctor, I said, I cannot come in here and ask for this anymore. You have got, I just can't. And um, I said, can you give me three rounds in one? Can you do that? And he said, it will put you in the hospital. And I said, do it because I cannot do this. And at this point, I had no hair. My fingernails and my toenails were gone. Mm -hmm. I was so blown up. And I went in the hospital and I was so sick. And I just, I remember thinking, I'm okay to go. I'm okay to die. I'm I'm like, I don't, this is not life. And then I laid there and I said to the nurse, am I going to die? And she said, honey, I don't know. And when she said that to me, I flipped and I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to die. I I mean, I, in that moment that she told me that and within 24 hours, I was out of the hospital, my fever broke. I made that decision. I was like, no, I will not. I will fight. So I know that I know that I know your mind is so powerful that I, I wanted to fight to live. And um, I had gotten to where I was so sick that I, I didn't have that willpower to live, even with a four-year-old little girl at home and a, another daughter that was – my children are 17 years apart, by the way. Um, I had one that's 21, one that's four at the time. And I had grandchildren, my first grandchild at the time. And I still wanted to go. I didn't want to live mm. until she said those words. And I thought, what? No. You're like, there's my gasoline, baby. You just gave yeah. it to me. Yeah, that was it. That's what I needed. And then to write this book, like I still cannot wrap my head around you writing this book. I, I just can't. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Just laughing through the ugly cry. Which is what I'm doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, me too. Oh, yeah. There it is. There's the laughter. I just, I mean, how you climbed out of all that and just, and and just tell us about the book. Who's the book for? Well, every single female on the planet. So you probably should all buy one. (laughs) Yeah. You can find it at Walmart. That's right. It's at Walmart now. Mm -hmm. I just got picked up at Walmart. I know that was exciting. Um, But... I hope it's a gift that people want to give. I think my greatest prayer about the book is that let it be a blessing to women. Let it shift them in just the tiniest way to pivot on finding joy in their lives. 
I mean, I really, especially in this season that we're in, yeah. I just had a friend say to me, she said, uh, this is so hard. I'm having now, now let me say she's got three little kids at home. So her, I, I'm like, I feel you. Dude. I feel you. Yeah. Um, uh, and she's, she's like, I, I can't do this anymore. This has been the most miserable time. This is so awful. Every, everything was just horrible, horrible, horrible. And she said, don't something about, don't you agree? I said, I completely disagree. Like I could totally feel the opposite of what she thinks in those first couple of weeks. Was I going crazy? Absolutely. We live in a house where, um, we have a main house. This sounds so bougie. We have a main house with our daughter who's 13, but my mother-in-law also lives in this house. And then in our guest house, um, again, this sounds bougie, uh-huh. <laughs> our guest house, my parents live. And then we have uh, a barn with horses and we have four dogs out here and we just got a new puppy makes five three cats. So we have like the whole wide world right here. But even as blessed as I am to have so many here, they're all driving me crazy too. Mm-hmm. And, um, until you shift it, until you start thinking pretty soon, this will be gone. We will get back to a new normal and we will look back and we will wish for a time when our kids wanted, we played games with our kids. We had fun. We got to think a little bit more. We cried a little bit more because we were left alone with who we are and how we feel. And is this the life that I want for myself? But we got this like fast and hard halt and what you choose to do with it and how you choose to think of it and, and be with it. You know, it's your story to tell. It's your story to, to, to make up. Mm-hmm. Mine's pretty good. I got fat during COVID. I'm going to say that. That's not true. I was a little bit chunky before. (laughs) No, it, it, um, I didn't do anything extraordinary, but I laughed a ton with my family and I really missed my grandchildren and my other daughter because we kept away from them. So it made me just hunger to be around them more. Yeah. You also talk in your book a lot about finding joy in unlikely places. So someone who is needing joy and searching for joy, aside from changing their mindset, said, which was what we know we need to do, what else would you tell them? Okay, I'm going to tell you an answer that's a little bit of a strategic answer, okay? Because um, I would tell you first and foremost, Jesus. But I mean, that's, that's just, that's my answer. But other than that, let's, let's talk a little bit more strategically. The year that I was striving for that great big goal, and we were in our last 90 days, And I knew that I knew that I knew I was running so hard and we were making such a massive leap. My stress level was through the roof and I knew that I had to stay in a headspace of a really positive headspace. So I started analyzing my behavior, you know, like what was a good trigger for me? What was a bad trigger for me? Because it was so critical for me to be on it during a particular amount of time. So the first thing I did is I started writing down what are positive triggers and it was something as silly as music, uh, candles. I love flowers. I like color coral, but I just started adding that list. Then the other one was negative triggers. And I started paying attention. What's a negative trigger for me. And I would have never thought TV is a big negative trigger for me on two, twofold. So one is when I watched the news, I was so sucked into it mentally. So I quit that. I still to this day don't. And the other thing was just if I sat down to watch TV, I just was sucked in. And 12 hours later, I had just watched Outlander, you know, like the whole series. <laughs> which I love that series. Um, anyway, I think I spent a week watching it, actually. But um, we digress. The, uh, 
so those were, you know, negative triggers. Rainy days made me kind of not want to really get out of bed. So how did I combat a negative with a positive? I was just really on purpose and conscious about, so what was positive? And if the, all of this list was the positive things, you look at that list and you repeat it with abundance over and over and over and over. I made up a playlist during that season of like this champion music and like, uh, I don't know, like these just, I can't even think of a single song. I think I had Carrie Underwood's champion song on there actually. But, um, and it was funny cause I went back and listened to that playlist and then I thought, this is the stupidest playlist I've ever heard. But in that season, it's what I needed. So start thinking about what do you need? What stirs your soul right now? What, you know, something as silly as, um, I remember one day walking in my closet and thinking it is all black and gray and brown. And I'm a huge fan of black because, you know, makes you look skinny. Mm-hmm. And until they make something darker, it was my color of choice. And, <laughs> but I started thinking, how do I feel when I wear pink and I wear, you know, coral? I feel good. I have a pair of yellow tennis shoes that I just, it is hard to be unhappy when you are in yellow tennis shoes. I'm just yes. going to tell you, right? Yeah. You know? So it's silly. There has to be some, I think we're not taught to do this sort of self-evaluation of what makes you happy because we're taught to maybe think that's selfish, but you got to live in a place and stay in a place of just doing those things over and over and just keep adding to that list of what does it for me? Like what makes me happy? I love that. Mm -hmm. Gosh, that's awesome. So tell us where our listeners can pick up a copy of your book, Laughing Through the Ugly Cry and how they can connect with you. Well, nationally, anywhere books are sold, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Walmart, I hope every store ever in the history of the world, not yet, but um, anywhere like that. And you can find me at dawnbarton.com. But on social media, Instagram is probably where I'm the most active. And that is Dawn R. Barton. I once had somebody tell me that I sound like a, 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 a not a parrot, a pirate. Dawn <laughs> R. Barton. So, uh, because, so. And it's Facebook and Instagram are both Don R. Barton. So. All right. <laughs> you'll not forget that. <laughs> you will not forget that, will you? Nope. nope. <laughs> Before we let you go, we like to do a little popcorn round where we just ask you a quick question. This is going to be like popcorn, like real popcorn. Yeah. So we thought since you're the joyologist, we would ask you, which brings you more joy? We're going to throw some things out. Yeah. Right. Give it to me. All right. Go ahead. Shoes or purses? Shoes. Yellow shoes. <laughs> that is so hard. That was actually almost a lie answer because they are split right down the middle. <laughs> I like them both. I really like them both. Okay, let's but make right it easier. Now, this, this season of my life, it's shoes because I'm a flip-flop tennis shoe girl now, but I didn't used to be. Okay. Cake or pie? Yes. Uh, you can answer yes to both of those. I'm, I'm like, yes, all the above. Like, yes. <laughs> well, we know we live in Florida, so we think we may know the answer to this, but beach or mountains? Well, beach, hands down. Um, makeup or perfume? Makeup. Are you going to take, <laughs> <you gonna laughs> take a power nap or a workout class? None of the above. You're not a power napper? I'm not a napper. Uh-uh. That's surprising. I don't know why uh-uh. it's surprising. I guess because I'm such a napper that I'm like taking one after this podcast. So I'm like, what? You don't nap? I'm, that- yeah, my best friend's a napper, but I'm not. I can't nap. And uh, But I need a good eight, nine hours a night. I'm a sleeper, but I'm okay. not a napper. That's, yeah, that's me. Sarah. I'm that's a Sarah. sleeper, but not yeah. a napper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Alone time or girl time? Oh, split down the middle. Okay. 
Are you drinking water or wine? Water. Wine makes me blow up like a blowfish. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Bubble bath or a hot, steamy shower? Shower. So fun. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I guess that. Do we have anything else? No. I think that's it. Hey, we do want to let you go. Before we let you go, what is the best beach in Florida, do you think? Oh. Oh, I'm like, I'm diehard on this one because... People from this part of the country think it's the beaches of 30A. It's like watercolor and seaside and all that stuff. But the, I'm probably going to get like sued at this. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the traffic has gotten so bad. It and has. the prices over there are insane. And quite frankly, their beach is very narrow. Mm-hmm. It's not a big, wide beach. It's crazy over up in there. And Destin is overrun with high rises now. So that's yucky. But Pensacola Beach is still, they have fought to maintain. Uh, residential with they don't have all the high rises they still have great places to eat so I'm a Pensacola Beach girl big time now where do you live Dawn where in Florida Pensacola Uh, you also work for the Chamber of Commerce is that why you said that (laughs) (laughs) no but I'm about to (laughs) go and get that kickback girl go ahead yes I am no but I truly feel that way when all especially when my friends are like we're going to desktop I'm like ooh, don't yeah. You're like, so, go over there and eat the crab trap. Go right ahead. Oh, yeah. Um, I just, especially if you have families and, um, you know, I, I, I love our beaches. They're beautiful. Okay. Last question before we let you go. Or did we already say that? No, that's it. Okay. <laughs> we can do another one. Like this. Last question before we let you go. What inspires you or who inspires you to keep going, to find joy? Oh, that is, a, that is literally the first time I've been asked that. Um, what inspires me? I don't think it's a who. I once heard this saying, and she, this lady was talking, and she was telling this story, and she was saying, I've never been able to find my, like, my why for why I'm pushing so hard. You're like, what's the reason, and what's the big why story? And the person next to her said, because when you die, you don't want to stand before God and him look at you and say, but I gave you that gift and that gift and that one, and you never use them. Mm-hmm. Look at all these unopened boxes you're returning, you're coming to me with. You never use them. So I think my greatest fear is to have not used the things that he gave me and to not have pushed through some fear and some, you know, the stretch and in, in the seasons where we're learning, where you're supposed to feel uncomfortable be and not use the gifts. That's my greatest fear. So that motivates me. Oh my gosh. Will you move in with us? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, let's move there. Let's yeah. get up in the hall. Yeah, forget it. You don't want to come here. We'll come there. Yeah. Oh, Dawn, this has been so wonderful. Thank you for being with us and sitting with us and being so real. Just this has been so fun. I feel like I seriously just got some girl time. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Y'all are so great. Thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, I loved, loved, loved that interview. Every minute of that was so good and such like a great perspective. Like it just makes you want to kind of kick your own tail and just go, shut up. (laughs) Quit complaining. Right? Quit whining. I mean, literally any one of those things that she meant when she was like, and I had this and then I had this and then this part, I was, I mean, my mouth was just like dropping because Mm -hmm. any one of those issues makes you a victim of that issue. If you let it, Mm -hmm. that's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people can't let go of those things. That's what I'm saying. It defines you. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
But she's like, nope, not me. Not today, <laughs> Satan. You better get back. You better get behind me. Gosh, there were just so many great parts about that. My favorite part of the whole interview was her talking about grace for your friends. Oh, man. I mean, I think that on both sides of it. So I am the person who, I'm not good with that. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I am there for you. Like if something happens, like I, I do want you to know I'm there for you and I would do anything. Like if you said, I need you to do this, I'll do it. Yeah. If you said, I need you to drive cross country, I would do it. Yeah. But am I going to be at your bedside all day long? Yeah. No, that's not Can't me. Can't handle that. I, it's mm-hmm. just not me. Yeah. And I'm not like an emotional, like I'm just think, praying about you every day. Yeah. Like I'm more of a, if you need me, Task. text me. Yes. Give me what I need to do. I'm yeah. here for you. Yeah. So I think just to kind of get that permission it's mm-hmm. like a yes, thank you. Yeah. Because <laughs> clearly I'm not in the wheelhouse of that. <laughs> no, I'm not I'm not a bedside sitter either. Mm-hmm. I'm not. And I mean, I'm I'm the doer. I like to do things for people and I, I will organize listen, I will have a cooler <laughs> at your front door and I will organize the times for people to drop things off. <laughs> I yes, will tell will. them what you need. I will assign different things mm-hmm. to different groups of people. But and and I'll even come over and pick up your laundry and I'll bring it back to you. But the bedside sitter is not me. Yeah, that's either. Not me either. But I love that she's like, and and it's because we don't know what to do. So many people don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in the midst of something like that, you just want somebody to come over and sit yeah. down with you and whine about their and complain about their husband like mm-hmm. you normally would. Yeah, you know, yes. being real. Yeah, and we've talked about this. I know on the podcast before about like what to say to someone when something has happened. Yeah, and it is. It's truly just a. I love you. I'm thinking of you. Done. That's it. Because that's, I feel like that's all that people really want to know, you know, is that I see you, I hear you, I'm here, mm-hmm. you know, you're validated. However you feel is the way that you should feel. And that's fine. Yeah. One of the things that I took away was I loved her making a list of what triggers her joy and what triggers her pain. That is you too. You, yes. you would do that. What mm-hmm. What makes me happy? What What do I? And then what doesn't? And then why Why are those the things that I'm dwelling on? Mm-hmm. You know, and like find way to just infuse that joy into your life on the daily. Yeah, and I think it would make it easy too if you've got all these, you know, no's over here. Yeah, to turn to something positive. Like, yeah. okay, well, this is happening, so let me get on my list. Let me turn on some music. Let me yes. Let me put on <laughs> if the that color. Work, I'll go. Yeah. Next. Yes. <laughs> Put my yellow tennis shoes on. Yeah, walking on sunshine. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, really, it, it it is such a perspective thing, and how your mind is truly your biggest tool. Mm-hmm. And yeah. why we don't let that just—I mean, I say to the boys all the time: you can get mad in the same pants you got glad in, or vice versa. You can get glad in the same pants you got mad in, because it honestly is a choice. Mm-hmm. Well, she's made the choice, and I love the choice that she made about leaving her job. I mean, what a leap of faith that was. I know. When you're called to do something like that, though, and you just know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that, that is your purpose. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Okay. Oh, and now, now yeah. I'm thinking something else, I know. too. Speaking the of that. Well, the gifts at the uh-huh. end. That's I'm like, I was about oh, to say. my gosh. I will think about that for the rest of my life now. I'm yeah. going to talk to my girls about that. Like, yeah. You do. You have all these gifts. Use them. Use them. Gosh. Use them or lose mm-hmm. them. And, but what a thing. What a, I mean, can't you see taking those boxes back to God and Him going, hey, you're, you're so good at 50 things. Why'd you only use two? Mm-hmm. You know, don't waste them. Yeah. You didn't mm. even open these up. You didn't even try these. Yeah. But who thinks they're going to be an author? You know, when you're number seven in a, in a worldwide company. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's huge path. position. Mm-hmm. You think, oh, this is my purpose. I'm a killer sales rep. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? You can also write a book. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. And I think she's going to change a lot of people's just, I mean, she's changed me just talking to her today. Yeah. 
Um, so I think this book is going to bring a lot of joy to mm-hmm. a lot of people. Yeah, good. It's in the perfect timing mm-hmm. with Coming all this stuff. This, yeah. All this yeah. junk. Ugh. And it is a good reminder, too. It's, you know, when you talk about a mindset, it's you, you, what you think is so bad, somebody else has other things going on, too. You're not the only one. No. You know? Yeah. Seeing people like that. <laughs> what do you mean? Like what? Like the down and dump, like, uh why is everything happening to me? Yes, victim mentality oh, that she's talking. It's yes. so it's draining. draining. <laughs> I know the the quote though. I even wrote it down in my notebook, and it'll probably be our quote: "Is you get to choose what the story is going to be." Mm-hmm. You know, because when something does happen to you like that, it can it can define who you are or who you're not. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I just love I love that so much. Are there people in your life that when you think about them, you think? They bring joy to my life, or they're a negative person, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yes. And you try your best to either be around one or have nothing to do with the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think you try to bring people up? Are you one of those people, like, they're negative, you're going to sit there and be like, but look at this, but look at that. Are you just done with someone like that? Sometimes I just have to walk away. It honestly mm-hmm. depends on what I have the energy for. Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of times... You know, you help, you're on the front end and you're helping people weed through this stuff because, I mean, like Laura said a few weeks ago, like, you need to wallow in it for a little bit. You need to really feel those feelings. And, but then the, uh, the next time, it's kind of like, I don't have any more energy for mm-hmm. you and this because you're in the same circular, cyc- cyclical pattern, you mm-hmm. know? And, but the negative people where it's always raining, or, you know, mm-hmm. you're like, isn't it beautiful today? Yeah, but it's so daggum hot. Right. You know, oh, and you're yeah. like, oh, this. <laughs> oh, yeah. We went to the coast to see my friends this weekend. Well, I bet you had fun, but oh, that drive. Oh. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a long hour. hour. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just like, you know what? My phone's ringing. Gotta go. <laughs> you know what? Dean needs me. Let me get off the phone. But yes, like it just can only take. So but you know so what I'm funny. saying? Yes, I know exactly what you're saying. And I can think of my personal friends right now, yeah. like stories and situations just like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm also thinking about one of our guests that we had on, it was like this time last year, I think, um, Nicole Hughes. Oh, yeah. Who lost yeah. her son. Everybody needs to go back, I think, and listen to that episode again yes. if you haven't. Yes. Um, she lost her son in a drowning accident. He was three. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just to come out of that and find joy and start sharing it again. She's got a new baby, Willow. I mean, mm-hmm. just... And uh, then advocating for water safety. Yes, yeah. And not just going, hey, everybody needs to be safe on the water. But mm-hmm. I mean, I'm talking about going to lobby at Washington and getting on the Today Show and really using the platform that God gave her, which I feel like is what Dawn is doing with this book, coming out of a tragedy and spinning it and going, no, there's a bigger purpose here. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's just somebody that I look at for just unbelievable strength to come out of something like that, you know? Yeah, I agree 100%. I think, um, and you know, we should all strive to do that too, I think. Yeah. It's just every day, take it, you know, take it and run with it. It all starts the same. (laughs) Every day starts the same. So it's just about where your mind's going and what you let it, where you let it go. Find joy. Anywhere you can. (laughs) Anywhere, especially, Mm -hmm. yeah, inside your house. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. When you find Clorox wipes, where you've been looking for them for 10 weeks, and you find them, girl, you better buy them up. Find joy in it. Find some joy. (laughs) All right, well, thanks for joining us today on Say It Southern, and we 